Who's counting how many times I trip? So you guys keep in the count here. Uh, grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 6. Also, for cross, kind of cross-reference, we'll also be talking about, we're going to be talking about a story which is often called, uh, you know, it might be referred to as Jesus walking on water. And so you have, depending on if you've been in the Bible a lot, I, I don't know if you're aware of how that works, but John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what they call gospels. And, and so what they are is a, it's a written history, it's, it's stories of Jesus's ministry life written by four different authors, okay? So we are in the book of John, but oftentimes when we're going to a story, we look to see what the other authors had wrote about it too. Because depending on the purpose of their writing, uh, they might include different pieces. And, and that way we can kind of look at it, we can, we can get a better picture of what happened. Because I, what's important that I don't want you to miss here is this isn't just an interesting story, right? What we have here is the reality of God, God's intersection with the lives of men and women like you and I, who are bound by struggle and natural laws, right? That without God's presence, you know, can, can enslave us, can capture us, can hold us down. And, and he's the one that frees us from them. And so we're going to read a story today where Jesus walked on water. It's not a metaphor. It's not a, it's not sort of a, there is symbolism here, but it's not purely symbolic. So we're also going to be in Mark and Matthew. And titles don't matter, but I thought this was comical. And so I'm calling this, I know you're taken on water, but take heart. Maybe you could say, but take heart instead. Let's, let's just pray again real quick. Father, please give me the words that you want to say. Uh, open the eyes and the hearts of the men and the women here that this would... Uh, Teach them and train them. Build them up if that's what they need. Challenge them if that's what they need. Uh, open their eyes just to see you and see your truth. And remind us of things we already know that you've taught, taught us before. Uh, we do this, Jesus, so that we would all become more like you and that we would all depend on you more and more. And we're here because of you and we pray in your name. Amen. Okay, so we're at this, the setting here. Uh, we just talked about, let's see if you know this. It was the feeding of how many? 5,000, right? Men and men. So then there was also at least one child who had the, the five barley loaves and the two fish. So we know there was at least 5,001. Chances are if any moms or other kids came or women or, right, grandma, whatever, anyone who was not men uh, was not included in that five. So it was a miraculous thing. And so this is the setting. Here's kind of a current picture of the Sea of Galilee. So we're going to be talking about things about like Jesus kind of going up on the mountainside. And so you can see what you have here based on smarter people who've been there, smarter than me. They say really the Sea of Galilee is somewhere, depending on what they say, about 700 feet below sea level. And so it's almost like a bowl going into it, right? You see on the side here, you can kind of see the elevation that increases. So this is why we're constantly talking about Jesus going up to a high place and, and, and then them coming down to the Sea of Galilee. So there's a picture to give you an idea. Uh, we're going to talk about storms today. Okay? Uh, 
what's interesting is, is the storms as described in these accounts of Jesus' life. They, they describe an actual storm, right? Physical storm. As well as they're symbolic. And they have a, they have a symbolic meaning. Anyone know? Give me an example. What could, a, what could be a symbolic meaning of a storm? Difficulty? Anyone else? Chaos. Chaos. I'm sorry? Death of a, lo- a loved one? Yeah. If you don't know me, I'm not a very good preacher, so I need your help. So that's why when I ask you these questions, I really want you to, to chime in. But yeah, so when there's a storm, things are not right, right? And, and you don't feel safe. You don't feel comfortable. You feel worried. And so oftentimes we see in these accounts of Jesus' ministry storms or throughout the scriptures that are written. And, and it is to call us to those times when things outside of your control are chaotic, threatening, not as you wish they were. We, we together on that so far? Now, remember, Jesus had just miraculously fed more than 5,000 people from five barley loaves and two small fish. Let's, let's stop a second. This is almost an unfair question, but, you know, I, was, I was, uh, wasn't here the last two weeks getting to hang out with brothers and sisters in Texas, people who believed in Jesus, and it was crazy. They were talking about similar things, right, singing songs, that we could worship too, dealing, not just in our state, but in other states, we're dealing with these same types of things. And that's the encouraging thing. I think you need to know, if you don't get out very much, that, that us men and women of all ages, we're not that different, and we're all facing a lot of the similar issues. And we're all dependent on the exact same God, who has the exact same power and the exact same love. So let's, let's check in, though. What are we learning about Jesus so far in John's writings? If you've been here, and you could, for the people who haven't been, what are we learning about him? He was other? Okay. He was not just a man. He was other. He was God. Yeah. He performed a lot of miracles. Yeah. What would what, you say? He ate honey, right? Yeah. He, honey, locust. We, the different accounts of Jesus' ministry at this point in time, because we, we have Matthew's account, Mark's account, John's account, Luke's account. He's done a lot of different things. He's done teaching. He's done miracles. Um, John, what he tells us later on in John is one of the main reasons why he wrote this for you and I, that we would read it. And one thing that we would know is that Jesus is the Son of God. And because of that, that we could depend on him. And because we would depend on him, he would give us what, what the, the scripture calls eternal life, which is real living that starts now. And so Jesus was building this kingdom by meeting men and women and sharing with them, I've come to give you this life. I've come to rescue you from yourself, from sin, from death, from evil. So they're kind of learning that, like, wow, he's more than a teacher, right? At first he was really smart, so he must be a teacher, or wait, maybe he's a miracle worker. Uh, maybe he's got power from Satan himself. Or maybe he's a magician. But these men and women who followed him were beginning to say, wow, you are the son of God. Somehow you're all man and all God. How does that work? 
all man and all God? Are you okay with me being too stupid to understand it? Are you comfortable with that? Can I still have this microphone and be too stupid to explain that to you? Uh, okay, so, so that's Jesus. He, is, he seems to do these miraculous things, and then he'll go and, and like reconnect with the Father, right? And then he comes back, and he's always going up to a high place. I wonder how they do that in Texas where there's no high places, right? Like he's always like going up to a high place. I was wondering that, and I'm like, well, go up on the building? I don't know, right? Um, but he'd go up to the high place. He'd come back down. Now let's check on the disciples. These are, these are men and women. A big group of them had what profession? Fishermen, which meant they weren't the best in school. So they didn't get to be religious leaders. They got to go into the family business. You see that? So they, they and now they had a chance to follow a rabbi. And they were really wanting Jesus to overthrow the Romans and get them out of their home. They really wanted a place in his kingdom. They really wanted to be a disciple of a great teacher. They had no idea what they were getting into. So, I didn't want to get into this if we don't look at their humanity. Imagine if you were them. Can you use your imagination when it comes to the scripture? Imagine you left your work. And at this point, some of them had left their families back home. You know, they're they're traveling. They just got part of this feeding for 5,000 plus. They've been walking around, not sleeping in their own bed. Always sort of fighting this, okay, I know that you're, you're like the son of God, I think, but still, aren't we supposed to overthrow the Romans? Aren't you supposed to make my life more comfortable? I know you're God, but aren't I supposed to be happier right now or more comfortable or, or more fed or less cold? Like, how are they? How would you be doing? How would you be doing? Confused? Yeah, sometimes, right? Like, aren't, what do you? They just got done with Jesus. There's all these people. It's getting late. Send them away to get food. Well, what kind of food can we get them? Jesus like, there's no stores open. We don't have enough money. Then Andrew's like, hey, there's this boy. He's got these little loaves of bread, a couple little fish. That'll do. Start giving them out. You got to be kidding me, Jesus. I'm going to look like an idiot here, right? Like, I'm going to get to the second person. Confused, yeah. Just when you think you're getting it. Yeah, we're, we're going to build something, a kingdom, right? And then Jesus is like, nah. And then Jesus heals somebody. And then you're like, look, at, there's Debbie over here, and she needs healing Jesus. And he's like, let's go. We're out. And he takes off, right? He doesn't go to heal them. And you, you wake up and the people are like, where's Jesus? I don't know. He's on a mountain some, somewhere. This guy does not act like you think he should act. You cannot quite get your arms around him. And you're sleeping on the f- ground and maybe you're cold or wet or warm or... Right? When it's never warm, the perfect temperature. It's always too cold, too warm. It's too humid here. It's too dry here. My skin's dry. We are impossible to please. Remember, Jesus said a couple things right here in John 16. Just so that you know, I want you to know what your life is like. 
Okay, Jesus says, they're going to take me here. He's telling them, don't worry soon. What's going to happen is each one of you are going to bail on me and you're going to go into your own homes. But then in verse 33 of John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. But in this world you will have what peace? No, trouble it says. But take heart says there, I have overcome the world. This take heart shows up seven times in the, New, in the New Testament. It's all this phrase in Greek. It's used seven times. It's once in Acts and the rest of it's in the Gospels and it's always said by Jesus. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then in 2 Corinthians, right? Paul's talking about his own struggles and wanting God to make it better for him. And in verse 9 here, he says, but he said to me, he being God, right? Being the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, Will, this is a pretty exhaustive introduction. Yeah, but I, I want to make sure you're here. Whether, whether you're checking Jesus out, or maybe you've been away, or maybe you're all in, here's what you're signing up for. In him is peace, and the world is trouble. Okay? In him is peace, and the world is trouble. In him is peace, and the world is trouble, but... He has overcome the world and he will be with you always. And when you're struggling and when you're failing, he is growing you and being made more perfect and more necessary. The problem with us is we, for, we don't realize that we need rescuing because our life is so comfortable, right? And when you're, not, when you're rescued, if you're rescued and you don't think you need a rescue and you're less grateful for the rescue, right? So, don't worry, if it hasn't happened yet or you're not in it, Jesus will let you know and help you to see that you need a rescue and we'll be praying for you all along and then you'll be like, I get what Will was saying. He must have been drowning too. Fair enough? Okay, after all that, John 6. So grab your Bibles. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus again withdrew to the mountain by himself. So they, people love miracles, right? You feed me, people love those miracles. I want more, Jesus. So they were like, yes, food, that was awesome. Bread, fish, that's amazing. We'll go wherever. And they, they're, they're crowding him. And Jesus is like, I know what you're trying to do. You want me to be your king and be the God you designed. So he's like, I'm out. So he retreats. To the mountain is what John says. Then when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Remember, it's a bull. Down to the sea, got into the boat, and started across to Capernaum. Now it, it was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because the strong wind was blowing. Uh, I read, I haven't been there, but you can imagine with the geography, it is a common thing for those winds to whip through 
into the valley where that is, in this body of water, you can get some good crosswind, crazy storms. But remember, what did a lot of these disciples do for work? Fishermen. And where did a lot of them fish? On the sea. Right? Okay. So the strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, and that might not mean so much right now, but we'll put that together a little bit later with some of the other accounts. But they've gone about three or four miles across the lake, or the sea, I'm sorry, depending on if you call it Sea of Galilee. Uh, they say it's recorded that it's about maybe eight miles. Some people say a little bit more across. So if they're about four miles, they've gone up, they're about in the middle. Okay, they're about in the middle of the sea. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea near the boat. Like near the boat, not, not towards the boat, near the boat. And they were frightened. Wouldn't you be? It's dark. There's a storm. You got some crazy guy with feathered hair in the wind petting a lamb. I'm just kidding. If you don't know that, I always like to make fun of that because that's how we always draw Jesus, which is definitely wasn't the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, feathered-haired Jesus with his hair blowing in the wind miraculously. Um, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Wait a second. Did you catch that? Did you see that? It's immediately, they were in the middle of the, of the sea, in the middle of the storm. He gets in and then like, boof, right? Like the first teleporting recording. I, I don't know, you know? The boat is there on the, on the shore. So we think about the walking on water, but, you know, you have a couple things here. One, they weren't killed in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea. Two, he walks on water. Three, he makes the boat from the middle of the sea all the way to the other side like that immediately. He even, he even borrows, borrows our homie Mark's saying. He used the immediately word a lot, right? So here's Mark. Interesting thing about Mark, before I tell you about Mark's account, Mark tells us that Jesus did this one time before on the same sea. I'll read that to you. Mark 4. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd, they took him and them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And the great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern. What's it say? Asleep. <laughs> I love it, right? He's just asleep, asleep on, on the cushion, it says. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Like, don't you care we're dying here, Jesus? Help us out. And he awoke, and he's like, oh, okay, he rebuked. I don't know what words you use to rebuke, but he's like, stop, right? He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? At this point, I wonder if they're all kind of on the backside of the boat, like, what's just happening here, right? Like, right? And then they said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So that happened. You see that. You can imagine in that, that piece of land there, these were 
Fishermen, man, they love the water. So sometimes they took a good shortcut. Plus the people couldn't swim fast enough to harass them so they could go across the sea to their next destination. So this is two accounts where the storms went up. The first time Jesus was with them. The second time he was walking on the water. That's Mark 6. Less than two chapters later. How long? I don't know. I didn't do the research. But two chapters later, this is what Mark says. Mark 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat, right? There's Mark's word. Immediately. He got into the boat to go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. And after he'd taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. He's on the mountain. They're in the middle of the sea. It's night. There's a storm. And it says Jesus saw that they were... He saw, he could see them, that they were having a hard time. They were making headway painfully because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Fourth, night of the wa- or fourth watch of the night, that's language that, that refers to between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. If the night split into four, four guard watch periods. So 3 to 6 a.m., he comes walking out on the sea. And it says he meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately, right, there's the word again. He spoke to them and said, take, here it is again, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They're learning. You see that? They're learning. So even though two chapters before, he just calmed the storm, they were in the boat without him. And they thought they were going to die. And he said, take heart. And, And the meaning there, how would you define take heart? Courage. What's that? Don't fear. Courage. What's that? Don't worry. To take heart is to like, to have that courage. So it's like you, you kind of grab the peace that's available to you because it's hard, right? You take courage, you take hope, you take the peace, you take, you know, steadfastness, you take patience, you take, that's the idea, take heart, like choose this because you're not going to want to do that. Do not be afraid, Okay, now let's look at what Matthew has to say. So you see, this is interesting. So now we're seeing things like from from John, uh, they were in the middle of the sea. Okay, Mark is telling us that, that Jesus, yeah, he was walking not to the boat, but by it on purpose. And he was walking out to them somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It also tells us that he could see them out on the water struggling before he came to them. Now, Matthew, let's see what this has to say. Matthew 14, 22, immediately, right? All the guys got together. They're loving this word today. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. See, I think we lose that. Jesus is a master. 
these guys were learning that Jesus knew what he was talking about, that he was someone you could trust and obey. And so all of these guys are saying, listen, Jesus made them get into the boat. Did they say, but Lord, let us help. We'll help you dismiss the crowd. But get in the boat. Yeah. That's a very good question, right? Like uh, she said, because they were fishermen, they were aware of, of the skies, the weather patterns, the water. So they might have been aware that a, a storm was coming. So that could be part of why he had to make them do something, right? That's very possible. And what time did they leave exactly, right? And how long? Because if you look at it, it's quite possible they left after lunch. And they were still out there only halfway across at like 3 a.m. I mean, I, I don't boat seas often in little sailboats, but, but like, you know, six, seven hours to get three miles. It's a rough day. So Matthew says, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain, right, to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by waves, for the wind was against them, right? In this life, you will have trouble. The wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, right, 3 to 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, he said it again, take heart, do not be afraid. Okay? Now, that's where those, those accounts Matthew's going to add something which is helpful. But you see, if we look at all those accounts, what we have is the feeding of the 5,000. They were trying to get, if you remember before that, he was trying to meet with the disciples and get some rest, and the people came. He had pity on them. He fed them, taught them, and now he's dismissed them, and he's gone back on the mountaintop. He sent the disciples, who were already exhausted, out to sea. And now they've been battling the wind for some time. In through the night. Not sure they're going to make it. Beat up. And here comes Jesus who sees them in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, and starts walking out on the sea towards them. And then they see him walking towards them. And he's not coming right at the boat. He's walking like by. And they're freaking out. Like, what is this? And then he gets close. He's like, hey, it's me. It's kind of back to the title. I know you're taking on some water, but take heart, too. I know you're choking, you're drenched, you, you think you're, not, you're exhausted, you don't think you can last another moment, but hold on. It's me. So then Matthew adds this piece. Why not Mark? Why not John? Well, John said he wants us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by having a growing faith in him, we'll have more life. Uh, Mark, it's common to know that, that 
even though Mark wrote it, the person who was, who was the author of it, who really told the story orally, was Peter to Mark. And so Peter didn't want to, most of the commentators think, Peter didn't want to brag about, let me tell him about the one time I walked on water, right? So, so that, that might be why he left that out. But Matthew, right, who is the tax collector, who's a record keeper, right, by trade, gives us a, even more here. Verse 28, see this in your Bible. And Peter asked him, right? So Jesus is like, it's me. Take heart. The storm didn't stop, guys. Do you understand that? Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. What? Like, let that have its weight. So you're telling me I'm afraid I can't survive this storm in a boat. But I'm okay to like walk on the water. Wow. I mean, that says something about Peter. I don't, I don't know if that's about his faith. Maybe he hit his head during the storm. He doesn't know what he's saying. I don't know. Right? Like, maybe it's just his faith in God that he knows that I got to get with Jesus because I'm better with him than in this boat. Maybe what he knows is like, whatever man can do to save me, build a boat, will not. But Jesus can. That, that preaches better, right, Corey? That sounds good. There, there's the lesson. I don't know. But he says, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. And... Uh, So Jesus said to him, and he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to come to Jesus. There's the big butt right here, right? But when he saw the wind, he looked out, he saw the wind, and he was afraid, and then he saw that he was beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those on the boat, in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I mean, there's a, guys, there's a, there are so many directions we can go with this, Right? If you go to church, you'll hear this story a lot, whether you're in a classroom or, or from the sermon. So, Lord, what do you, this time, what do you want to teach us? But I had this thought about Jesus' miracles that was helpful for me. The people who preach at the Ridge understand we're, we're usually preaching to ourselves because we need all the teaching and reminders we can get. And we hope some of you are in the same headspace as us and you need to hear this truth too, okay? Um, Here's a thought about Jesus' miracles. Have you noticed so far, and maybe if you've already studied through the scriptures, but if you're only, let's assume you were just going through John for the first time. Have you noticed all the people that, that Jesus did these miraculous acts for and to? Start thinking about them, okay? Like the woman at the well, this miraculous thing, uh, the, the guy who was paralyzed. You have the woman who'd bleeding, who had been bleeding for some time. Uh, all of these people... What did Jesus do after he healed or rescued them? You remember? Yeah, he sent them away or he went away? Sent them to the temple. Yeah, at first he was like, don't tell anybody. 
But honestly, his disciples weren't those people. Right? So what's funny is we come to Jesus, even though we have that truth, and I would tell you, if you study the scripture, you're going to see that a lot. You're going to see the fact the people that Jesus fed, they're just like, feed me more. The people who Jesus heals, heal me more. And as a matter of fact, he rarely tells the people why he did that. Who he tells are the people who are following him after the fact. That's a generalization. But it had me having this thought about Jesus' miracles. If you get into a building like this, where what I'm asking you guys to do, what me and my family really want to do is try to live with Jesus, like walk with him is the term we would use. And, and we're not very good at it all the time, okay? And we're hoping that a lot of other people who are struggling to do it, but really want to, want to do this together. And... The problem is we come to Jesus wanting to be the person that he does a miraculous healing for. But in the scripture, those aren't his disciples. His disciples are the people who are saying, have peace in me, but take heart because in the world you'll have trouble. His disciples are like Paul who begged him to heal him. And he said, I'm not going to heal you because if I do, then you're just going to be like everyone else. Genie Jesus, what's the next great thing you're going to do for me? It's part of the problem of our culture is where we want miraculous signs and wonders, and then once we get one, where we want another one. And if we started looking, and you're like, how's it going? Like, how's it going, Christina? She's like, awful. I'm like, Yes. You're doing it. You're walking with Jesus, right? That's like, great, right? Like, if you're like, oh, yeah, my dog was raised from the dead or whatever. Like, oh, okay, geez, that's weird. But yeah, you know, maybe you're not because it seems like all of Jesus' followers, it's this long, slow process where they're learning to depend on him more. And so I look at that in general, and Jesus uses imperfect people, and he doesn't always make them perfect in an instant. He doesn't make their circumstance perfect. So you look at the storms, right? We have Peter who stepped out into the storm and he noticed three, three areas. First of all, is he noticed the storms around him. Oh, look at the wind. Oh, geez. Right? What's that like for a Christian now? How many of you, we always get together, what we always talk about is how bad the world is. Right? Right? Christians get together and... The older you get, the more YouTube you watch and Fox News, and it's even worse for you, right? Like, you're so convinced that the world somehow was beautiful in the 80s and sucks now. Right? And so you're like, Will, you're so focused on the world. It's just, I mean, we were talking about this in our elders meeting. Like, that's what wrote this sermon, honestly. Hey, you want to get into my weird head? We were talking about, what if, what if there was nuclear war? And I'm like, you know, I pictured Jesus sitting there looking at me like this in the storm and nuclear bombs going on behind him and being like, this doesn't surprise me, right? But that's what we do. The storm is it's like, oh, the world is so bad. The political military environment, the food, they're 3D printing our food now, yeah, right? Like, oh, geez, Gluten's and everything, and it used to be okay, but now it's evil, right? Like, all this stuff, we're like, what's going to happen to us? And Jesus is like, here, here, I told you there was going to be troubles. Did you read the end of the Bible? This whole thing gets burnt up. The Jews wanted me to save their country, too. I didn't want them to be a country. I wanted them to be my people in a kingdom in heaven. 
Not a kingdom in France or a kingdom in England, a kingdom in heaven. His kingdom was in that boat. It was not Israel. It was the people in the boat who have grown. And now the kingdom exists in here, in Texas, in Timbuktu. We, we can't, he, Peter lost sight of Jesus because at first it was like, I needed him so much because the boat's going to sink and all that I can do will get me killed and destroyed. But you, Jesus, have shown me two chapters ago that you can make the storm stop. So I want to get wherever you are. Maybe I can stand on your toes. But this boat I've depended on my whole life is going to kill me. And I'm going to depend on you. But then he looks up and he's like, but look at the storms around us. It's insurmountable. Okay, that's the first storm. Second storm, the storm he was in, he started to sink. What kind of stuff can that be? What's that? Infection. Yeah, your health, man, your relationships. Like, oh. your, your life is not going like you thought it would, right? Like you're in a spot that you just, you're sinking. You're depressed. You're, you're sick. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sinking. And Jesus is like, hey, I told you it was going to happen. Remember all the people I healed? We ran away from them. The sick people I, I held arms with and we slept by the fire and we talked. And then there was the storms in him. I don't know what was going on in him. I mean, he had to be tired, right? Exhausted. Missed his wife. Probably missed fishing a little bit. Now he's going to die in the lake where he made his living. What kind of stuff was going on inside him? The storm inside him, right? I, I get so stuck in my head. My kids are like, Dad, are you there? Jesus, Will, Will, I know inside you you're taking on water, but take heart. I'm here. So you see this? Jesus saw them. But, but what I want, here's the great news about Jesus. And whether you've been following him a long time, whether you've been running from him, or this is your first time hearing about him, here's what it is for you. I am telling you, if you don't see it now, you will. There are storms around you. You're in storms and there's storms inside you. And I can't promise that just because Jesus shows up that they stop. As a matter of fact, did you notice his whole interaction, until it was all done, he didn't stop the storm. He didn't say, Lord, let me come out to you. And he says, okay, Peter, hold on a second. Stop. And then the water was smooth. No, he had Peter walk in the middle of the storm. So what I'm telling you is the storms may not stop. The troubles may not stop. The world is not going to get better overnight. Okay? We throw out these words of revival and renewal. That always starts with an individual person, one at a time. And if a hundred of you, if a hundred of us in this room start to change, then our world changes. That's it. But I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. You have to acknowledge the fact that you are facing these three storms. And Jesus may not stop those. But he's calling you. Take heart. I'm here. Well, I don't know, Will. I don't know. He, 
I don't know if he knows, man, because if he knew, he wouldn't let me go through this for 20 years, for 40 years, for 10 years. For... Don't forget, it says here that they were in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of night, and Jesus saw them, and he knew they were struggling to, to make headway because of the storms. Do you know that? Are you struggling to just live life because of the stuff that's happening? I know zero people, zero honest people who aren't. That's the way this thing works. Everywhere you're getting, man, sometimes it, it's making headway painfully, but Jesus is not surprised. He sees it. Okay. But then what's great, too, is it also said he meant to pass them by. And it doesn't mean he was going to ditch them, because that's, that's a bad translation. What it is, is he was going to walk along the side of them. Right? And he does that in our lives because you're in the storm, you're taking on water. He didn't disappear. He's just walking there. He's just waiting for you to say, Lord, call me to come out to you. Right? He's just, he's there. He didn't, he's not always going to fix something. Remember, take heart, right? In this world, you'll have troubles, but you have me. That's better. And Jesus may not calm the storm when you step out to him. Every move you make towards the Lord, you can pretty much count on some kind of discouragement coming your way. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. So, that's a lot of information. So if we can put that all on this plate together, right? Like you, Jesus is God which is so ultimately important, which is the primary importance. But here's secondarily what's important. He was all man, so he gets what it is to be in a storm. He gets what it is to be sick. He gets what it is to be hurting. He gets what it is to be rejected, to be loved, to be hurt, to be lonely, to be tired, to be hungry, to want to escape. He knows all of that, right? It's huge. Like, that's the first thing I put on the plate for you, okay? Second thing, he walked with these disciples like he wants to walk with you. Right? Yeah, you, you don't get to walk with him in person, but you get the Holy Spirit, right? Which is all God with you. You're not on a boat fighting for his attention. Every one of you can have, if you're his, his full attention, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will, even though the world will give you troubles, you can have hope in him. That's great news, right? But guess what? You guys are having those storms. And so this is what we're doing together. What I would encourage you to do when we pray, I'm going to have the worship team. You guys can go ahead and come on up. What I would encourage you to do is think about it like this. This was helpful for me this week. Uh, when you're looking around at your life, okay, first of all, let me, let me start with you. When you're looking around at your life, think about all the storms, whatever it is, Whatever it is, man, if, if the thing that's troubling you the most, just picture that in the background, okay? Or maybe it's at your feet. And then what I would do is I would, but instead I would picture, I would pray, and I would say, Lord, I know that this storm is real and that it exists. And if you haven't made it go away right now, you're doing something. So even though I feel like I'm taking on water, I want to take hold of hope with you. Just, just even picture it, man. Like, 
Okay. This is very unholy, but picture Jesus, if you will, and just picture whatever's going on, whatever's the nonsense in the background. Just picture him, and then picture him looking at you like, it's okay. It is. It's like, okay. Take heart. I'm with you. I've overcome the world. My kingdom wasn't dependent on your life going good. It wasn't dependent on your health. It wasn't dependent on your long life or your money or your success. It wasn't, in, it wasn't dependent on any country or any church or any family. It wasn't dependent on how your kids turn up. It, it wasn't dependent about whether you have a spouse or you don't, a boyfriend or girlfriend. It, it's not dependent on whether that relationship is going well. It's, just, it's not dependent on any of those things. So whatever it is, just picture him. And if you want comedy, just imagine nuclear bombs going on behind him and he's just like, I wrote about this stuff. This crap is going to happen, okay, right? Like the kingdoms of the world is the world. They're going to destroy themselves. You're going to get old. You're going to die. Laugh about it, right? It's going it's to be fine. You're, yeah, infections, sick. But we do it together. Okay, that's the second piece. The second piece is when you think about me. And when you think about the people around you, please understand, you might have no idea what storm they're doing, going through. And for me, it's been helping just to kind of sit there and just say, almost like the guy in the boat, just watching you with Jesus. And I don't even know what storms are going on, but I I might think I know the answers to your life, but I don't. But Jesus does. Imagine if I was John in the boat. I mean, he probably wanted to say, Peter, don't, man, you'll, you'll drown. Like, Peter, right? he wanted to throw him a piece of wood. I don't know what he would use to float at this point in time, but he wanted to help him. Like, you're doing something foolish. Let me stop you. But God's like, no, Will, stop, right? No, right, John, stop. Do not let them focus on me. Even though they're taking on water right now, they can take on heart. It's for you, it's for me, it's for us. And this isn't answered in one day. This is day after day after day that we walk this out together. So you guys are going to need to stay and have spaghetti to struggle together and to celebrate together. You're going to need to come back next week. You're going to need to see each other during the week and talk about the goodness of God so that we can always be reminded, hey, Will, right? Will, look, I'm here, man. Don't look, I know it's, it's burning. I get it. Let me pray for us. And then we'll sing praises, eat spaghetti. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for all that you've done. All that you've done. Thank you for all that you're doing right now, Lord. And so I pray that you would, that you would grab every person, and I don't think it's a stretch, to say this is how you interact with us, Lord. That there's storms in our life and they'll come, but the constant is you. So help us, Lord. I pray for me. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that that as we're facing these things, whatever it is, something inside us, something surrounding us, or something on the horizon that has us so burdened, Lord, that we would just breathe, focus on you, and take another step. 
just one step at a time towards you. Lord, I know that you meet us where we're at, but you don't keep us there. So I pray that all the men and women here would take steps forward. That we would be refocused on you. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time together. Bless our youth who are going to go to camp and work out what it means to follow you in their generation. Bless the leaders. But take this time with us, Lord. Deal with us gently like you do. Please. We love you. We depend on you. Thank you for saving us in the middle of this time.